What's up and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod. We are on to week nine and uh, we are doing a little bit of a Thursday night preview here, but the bigger part of our show is the trade deadline reaction. Cody, we actually had an exciting NFL trade deadline for one of the first times that I can ever remember. Um, For as exciting as it was, I feel like there wasn't that much in the way of fantasy implications like I, I i mean there are some implications and we will get to them but um i i felt like you know i was a little underwhelmed by the uh the big fantasy pieces that moved but at the same time i will say nfl please continue to do what you're doing make the nfl deadline a thing i uh you know i i just really enjoy the mlb trade deadline the nhl trade deadline and uh this could just add to that uh, that specter. It, it is a really fun thing to talk about trades. So, Cody, uh, how did you feel about the uh, the trade deadline in general? Yeah, first, I think you nailed it uh, fantasy-wise. I don't think we're going to be talking about too much fantasy impact when we break down each of these trades, but a lot of them had a lot of good NFL impact. So um, I think we'll, as we'll get into them, there were some that I think were really good for some teams and a couple that left my head scratched, um, head scratching. But it is what it is. That's the NFL. Uh, some teams make good moves. Other teams make questionable ones. So we'll kind of dig into them. Um, but we are uh, – this is, like I said, this is also going to be the Thursday night preview show. Full show is going to be out tomorrow. It's going to contain all matchups from this week, uh, some good start-sit decisions. So if you are listening to this one, make sure you check out the one tomorrow. And, of course, like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff that we appreciate. Uh, But, Nick, if you want to, we can go ahead and jump right in here. I think this first one will probably be the biggest uh, fantasy implication. Well, maybe the second, but the first one to start. Yeah, we're going to go based on chronologically here, but we're going to actually go opposite. So, like, the the, the trades that happened closest to the deadline to the the ones that happened later. Uh, The first one is Indianapolis and Buffalo. Uh, Naheem Hines got exchanged for a fifth-round pick in Zach Moss. Um, I, I got to be honest, Cody, this one was pretty confusing to me. Uh, from the Colts side, I get it. I've never really understood why they chose to pay Naeem Hines as a top 15 running back in the NFL. They have Jonathan Taylor on their team. Deion Jackson has showed himself as a capable backup to this point. So to me, it makes all the sense in the world for them to trade him for any asset that they can get. In this case, they got a conditional fifth round pick. It's not much, uh, but... You know, it will. Um, you know, it will serve as an asset for the Indianapolis Colts. And from the Buffalo side, I don't really get it to be honest. I mean, they drafted James Cook in the second round this year. Devin Singletary has been good when given the opportunity so far. Uh, Naheem Hines is a solid player, and is not going to hurt their team by any means, but giving up any assets for this player, in my opinion, does not make a ton of sense for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, again, a fifth-round pick is not going to kill them, and if it helps them win a title, then it's totally worth it, but I feel like their uh, their assets could have better been spent elsewhere, uh, in my opinion. How do you feel about it? Yeah, so to start on the Indianapolis side, I do agree with you there. I think this was a good deal for the Colts to go ahead and just uh, move off of Hines. Um, And they did get another running back back, so Moss, Carter, if JT were to split, you know, 
those guys may have some fantasy impact and, and be on the field. So getting Moss back is probably not the worst idea. He's been an okay NFL running back. Um, but to defend the Buffalo side, Hines is pretty good in the punt and kick return game. Um, so, and I mean, I feel like Isaiah McKenzie's been okay, but I guess I don't watch their games that in depthly. Maybe there's a chance they get, you know, 5% better in their return game. And for them, that's worth a fifth round pick in a year where they are, you know, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So I think that they're probably looking at him as more of an all around player, as well as a compliment to Devin Singletary, as opposed to him just kind of moving into just a straight running back role. Yeah, it just felt like this was a position that Buffalo had already spent some assets on. Uh, obviously, the second-round pick this year, and then Devin Singletary being, a, uh, I believe, a fourth-round pick a couple years ago, and then Zach Moss being a third-round pick uh, a couple years ago as well. So uh, it just – I didn't really get it from that perspective, but you're right. If, if, they, if Naheem Hines makes one good kick return – in you know the second round of the playoffs, and it helps Buffalo win that game, then they will not care about this 2023 fifth that they're giving up. I just figured that you know there's maybe some you know maybe a pass rusher, anything else to help their team more than this. Uh, I I didn't understand it from a from that perspective, but uh, I did not necessarily consider the punt return kick return aspect of this deal. If Hines is a difference maker in that regard, then it'll be worth it and then some for Buffalo for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think if a lot of teams, when you look at that Ravens deal for um, uh, the Bears pass rusher, not Roquan Smith, but... Um, you mean uh, the Eagles deal for... Uh, oh, jeez. Yes, the Ravens got Roquan Smith, the Eagles got... Uh, can't remember his Robert name. Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn for a fourth-round pick. I think if you go look back at that one and you would have told a lot of teams that you could have got him for a fourth-round pick, I feel like he may have gotten a little bit more interest than he probably did. And um, His contract was the issue there, I believe. He has a couple Oh, that is true. I, I do forget about his yeah. contract. That did become a situation. So, yeah, I was going to say he could have been a, a Buffalo, but no way with his contract. So, Again, I think you're just looking at a really good team here just trying to find a way to get better at the trade deadline, making a playoff push. So I don't mind it. I just don't. For fantasy, it kind of sucks because you'd think that the passing down is going to go to Naeem Hines pretty quickly. So Singletary may, you know, that ceiling that he had probably came down a little bit. Yeah, I think from a fantasy perspective, you're hanging on to Hines just to kind of see how Buffalo utilizes him. Obviously, they made the deal for him, so they have a plan in mind. Singletary, you can't drop. He's been valuable so far for uh, fantasy owners. You just kind of, again, you have to wait and see. And then uh, on the Indianapolis side, Deion Jackson immediately becomes a high-end handcuff. And then Jonathan Taylor is what he's been to this point in the year, obviously. Um, Obviously disappointing, but he has less to contend with now, so maybe he gets a few more targets. Uh, I don't think this trade changes too much in the way of fantasy value for any player. We're just going to have to see how it plays out from the Buffalo side. Gotcha. One last thing on it, though. So you think Deion Jackson is clearly above Zach Moss still? You don't think Zach Moss is worth a speculative ad with JT's health being questionable? Not this week. I I think this week, if JT is out, uh, Deion Jackson will be the unquestioned one because he actually showed himself pretty well in the game that uh, he played on his own. Uh, Yeah, I think he played basically two games on his own. The one that I went to watch in Denver, I got to witness Deion Jackson's brilliance firsthand uh thank god uh but uh deon jackson 
because I started Naheem Hines in a couple leagues, so that was fun. But uh, yeah. Deion Jackson actually seems like a solid backup. And I, I don't believe Zach Moss is going to take his job with five days of practice, you know, or even less than that. I, I think Dion will be the starter this weekend, assuming Jonathan Taylor is not in. And then after that, uh, Zach Moss and Dion Jackson may split. Uh, but again, we'll just kind of have to see how it works out. I feel like we'll get a decent idea from, you know, the practice reports about who is the actual backup. So For sure. we'll see. I would... I would roster Deion Jackson as the handcuff and uh, just wait and see on Zach Moss. Yep, sounds good. Next trade is actually very similar and, um, you know, kind of a it's, – it's just a similar conversation overall for me, and that's San Francisco and Miami. San Francisco uh, receives a 2023 fifth, and Miami receives Jeff Wilson. Um, interesting deal for Miami for me. I think Wilson is a really good back. Actually, I I, I just He's I think really that good. San, yeah San Francisco really has never really I mean obviously once they've had injuries they've given him the chance to be the lead guy but he's never gotten the outright shot to be the number one back in the uh, you know San Francisco system so here he moves into Miami I think this could be a real boon on Mostert's value uh, I I think Jeff Wilson could end up splitting and even if he doesn't he should be a very high end backup. Um, and again, this is a system that he knows very well. He's going to uh, Mike McDaniel as the head coach. This is a guy that he worked with as the offensive coordinator in San Francisco last year. So uh, this is very interesting for Jeff Wilson. He's certainly, certainly worth an ad. If he is out there in your league, if you're in a 12-team-plus uh, a 12, 12 league, even a 10-team league that is sharp, you should go add Jeff Wilson because he, uh, he could be a significant factor in the second half. Because Raheem Mostert, as we both know, is very prone to injury. And again, I think Jeff Wilson could really factor into this run game even before that. So uh, how do you feel about Jeff Wilson on Miami, Cody? Yeah, um, so this was actually one I think I, I misspoke. This was the one I was most excited about for fantasy football. I just, in my head, I misplaced which one we were talking about first. So Jeff Wilson, um, this is... a. A, an entirely a scheme move in my opinion chase edmonds was not fitting what mike mcdaniels wanted to do so he went out there and got a guy that he was comfortable with um i do think Mostert's still going to be the main guy there but in san francisco wilson did get most of the passing down work and he still ate into some of Mostert's workload so i can see that still being the case there um i think this is just more of a um just slowing down on Mostert. I know a lot of people kind of had him pretty high um, rest of season in their running back rankings. I think now with Jeff Wilson being there, you just got to take him down a couple notches because Wilson, in my opinion, is you know he's not that much worse than Mostert, so he could definitely work into the eat, or eat into the workload. And then if he takes away the passing game from uh, Mostert, that obviously hurts in any kind of PPR format. So um, I think Wilson's definitely worth the ad if he's out there in just about any league. Um, and then in a couple weeks, he could be a, a speculative flex play into a starter if Mostert were to go down. So I think this is really cool for Jeff Wilson because in San Francisco with CMC and Mitchell and their plethora of running backs, he was basically just a drop piece. So he people may have dropped him if they didn't get information on this trade during waivers claims. Yeah, I, I think you made a really, really good point there at the beginning, Cody, when you said this is one of the biggest fantasy aspects that we have uh, to this point in the trade deadline. 
Um, Jeff Wilson is somebody that's very comfortable with Mike McDaniel's system, and uh, this is just something that should perk up the ears of Mostert owners. If you have Raheem Mostert and you're relying on him because of a couple injuries or whatever else, you should go ahead and add Jeff Wilson just to kind of see what happens here because, once again, Jeff Wilson, good back, and... Um, like you said, he can handle passing down work, and he is very familiar with the system Mike McDaniel is running. So uh, there is a good chance, in my mind at least, that uh, Mostert and him split. And even if they don't, Wilson will be the bona fide handcuff to Raheem Mostert at this point. I think there is no doubt about that. And then on the San Francisco side, for me, makes all the sense in the world for them. I mean, obviously, they just traded a ton of assets for Christian McCaffrey. They have Elijah Mitchell. They have Tyrion Davis-Price. They don't need, uh, you know, that much in the way of backup running back. So getting any sort of assets in the next draft, which they have, um, you know, about none of, it, it makes a ton of sense for them. So no problem on the San Francisco side for me. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think Jeff Wilson's certainly worth an ad in any sort of deeper league. Yes, I completely agree. Atlanta and Jacksonville is the next one. This is probably my favorite trade from an NFL perspective because it just kind of made the most sense for both sides. Um, this is the Calvin Ridley deal. So we have Atlanta receiving a 2023 conditional fifth-round pick and a 2024 conditional second-round pick. Uh, we're not going to get into the details of this right now because uh, I – I tried to do that when I researched this deal, and the conditions are incredibly, incredibly specific. And again, uh, we're not going to get into them for now. It has a lot to do with how Calvin really does next year, and there's no way for us to tell that right now. At the best, um, it could and, be a second and a fifth, right? It could right. be worse so that, depending yes, on how he yes. plays. Right, okay. So we're going to just assume that it's a second and a fifth right now because those are the conditions on the deal. And even if that's the case, I think it's a win for Jacksonville. Who would be the team giving up the second and the fifth? Uh, yeah, hypothetically the most uh, they could give up in this deal. But on the Atlanta side, it's, you know, they were in a really tough spot. You know, Calvin Ridley was disgruntled with their franchise. Um, I think they could have probably gotten more because I, I have always been a giant Calvin Ridley fan. I may be sort of biased. Uh, I've, I've been you know, in his camp a lot of the time uh, that he's been in the NFL. So uh, obviously this betting situation has been tough. And uh, the, the problem for the Falcons is that they kind every other NFL team sort of knew that they had to move on. So his trade value was diminished just from that standpoint and uh you know atlanta was kind of between a, hot, a rock and a hard place in this situation so i kind of get why they had to make the move uh but i absolutely love the deal for jacksonville they're two and six this year they're aiming for contention next year this is sort of their year to build a rapport with trevor lawrence and doug peterson and then next year they get to enter you know, with a bona fide wide receiver one, plus Christian Kirk, plus Zay Jones, plus whatever assets they add over the offseason and through the draft. So I I really, really like the deal for Jacksonville. Um, I think it's an okay move for Atlanta, but at the same time, they were, you know, hamstrung to a degree. How do, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think the Atlanta side of it just, like you said, it kind of sucks because if you have a healthy Calvin Ridley who's not suspended but they just want to move off of him, I mean – 
He probably goes for a second this year's draft, like in the one coming up. So At least. At right, least. probably more, but at least something that you're going to get right away. Like What I really like about this trade for Jacksonville is the way they structured it. You're going to get their fifth-round pick this year. It's going to be bad. It's going to be an early fifth. They're going to hope they make that jump next year, and that 2024th second could be an end of the second round pick, or you know, in the 20s if they're able if to their make plan the pans out. So right. that's it's it's honestly a really really smart football way to structure it, and then love it. Like you said, you get Calvin Ridley, you get your bona fide one. You don't have to go take that shot on someone in the draft. You're getting someone that you know you can slot in. Is there going to be some question marks on taking a year and a half off of football? Of course, but. You got to go out there, and especially the way that this is is constructed. Like, there's no way that Jacksonville should have said no to this. If worst case scenario, if it's you know a middle second or an early second next year, like you would have given that up for Calvin Ridley in a heartbeat. So, I, I like it for Jacksonville. Also, just a fun fact about this trade: the reason why Calvin Ridley is not playing this year is because he bet a parlay that had the Falcons this one. covering. <laughs> against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he is probably the first NFL player ever playing on a team that he bet against, So at least publicly. Um, so that's kind of funny. But I think overall it's a good trade. Obviously no fantasy implications for this year. But for next year, Pitts and London, if they get a new QB in there, you're not going to have to worry about how Ridley's going to fit in as well. So if there's if there's some uh, dynasty um, – you know, light to look ahead for Atlanta Falcons owners in that, you know, respect. You have that for next year also. This is why this what you just pointed out there at the end is why this is my favorite trade that happened at the NFL deadline to, uh, this this year because this is all positive. Uh Trevor Lawrence, value up. Drake London, value up. Uh Kyle Pitts, value up. Christian Kirk uh, you could argue value down, but I would probably argue value up because this offense, offense should be better next year. Yeah. Right, yeah. From a uh, dynasty perspective, Trevor Lawrence, value up. I mean, every single person that you are worried about in a dynasty situation saw their value increase. And, again, um, you know, like the, the Atlanta Falcons just – they had to make a move here. It was very tenable that Calvin Ridley was not happy here. And uh, Jacksonville took advantage of it. And I – that. Honestly, I've given a few stats of the game, stats of you know the week so far this year. I think that's my favorite one, that Calvin Ridley ends up uh, moving on to the Jaguars after he makes a bet on the Falcons to cover against the Jaguars. Very poetic from an NFL standpoint, and I think this trade, honestly, is... One of the ones that um, should really work out for both sides on the uh, on an NFL standpoint. And by the way, if you're in a dynasty league, go trade for Calvin Ridley yep. right now. Especially if you're a team that is uh, you know three and five, two and six, one and seven this year, because this is a guy that has been an excellent, excellent football player so far in his career, and we've seen. Countless examples. Tua this year with uh, Tyree Kill. We saw Josh Allen the year before with Stephon Diggs. If you saddle a elite quarterback prospect with an already known elite wide receiver quantity, he often gets a lot better, which makes a ton of sense. And uh, I think this should happen with Calvin Ridley in Jacksonville. Um, moving on to Denver and Miami, a trade that uh, I don't want to talk a ton about because it makes me pretty sad. Um, that is Bradley Chubb. Uh, 
being traded to the Miami Dolphins. This is one of the only defensive trades we'll talk about because it does also involve a uh, running back on the other side that could have some fantasy value, that is Chase Edmonds. Uh, coming back to the Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos received a, a 2023 first, that is San Francisco's 2023 first from Miami, and the uh, the 2024 fourth. But the important parts of this trade for any sort of fantasy aspects are running back Chase Edmonds to the Broncos, and then Miami receiving uh, edge rusher Bradley Chubb. So, um, from a Denver's fan's perspective, I don't love this trade. I think this tre- this team should be trying to compete right now. They're three and five. It's not ideal, but uh, this this defense has been absolutely elite, and they have they have lived up to their billing and then some. If this offense can figure it out even slightly, I think they could be a playoff team and a scary one at that. Um, but that being said, they did get a decent return for Chubb, a first round pick, a fourth, and a running back that they probably view as an upgrade over the guys they have. So um, Chase Edmonds, definitely worth an ad if he's out there in your league. You never know how this is going to play out after the bye. Uh, there's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of bodies in this backfield, but Chase Edmonds, again, could end up being the guy here. How do, uh, how do you feel about this split in Denver, Cody? Oh, the split in Denver. That's where we get to start. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> I feel like Chase Edmonds. The easiest part to diagnose. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I feel like, honestly, Chase Edmonds is probably the best running back out of the three. It's just how quickly does he get involved. Um, Who knows? The team did say, you know, Melvin Gordon is the uh, starter. Wink, wink. That's why he just continuously gets. You know, outplayed by Latavius Murray, but it is what it right. is. Right, that's why you trade for Chase Edmonds. Exactly. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I think, and the the thing with Miami, like I said, it, it's a scheme. It was a scheme issue there. Mike McDaniel's just didn't like the way that he had to use Chase Edmonds. So I don't think that like Chase Edmonds had fallen off a cliff or anything. So, I, yeah, if he's out there in your leagues, he's worth the ad. Um, honestly, I. This is how this is where I think it's kind of questionable because you, it's hard to add players on a bye when there's six different bye bye weeks happening at the same time. Would you drop Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray to go pick up Chase Edmonds? No, I would not. But here's the other thing that I feel about this. Um, I, as a Denver fan, I was tracking this trade very closely, specifically the Bradley Chubb trade, because you know obviously it was in the uh, zeitgeist of the NFL for a couple days before it even happened. And I saw that the the Broncos had a first-round pick on the table, whether it was just from Miami or whether it was from multiple teams. Who knows? But the point is, is that Denver ended up accepting a first round pick and uh, not much else from Miami, including Chase Edmonds. And the the first round pick they did accept was from San Francisco, who you would assume is going to be in the playoffs and is going to be in the back half of the first round. So uh, in my mind, that tells me that Denver views Chase Edmonds as an asset, whether it's you know, a fourth or fifth round asset. I don't know, but he they they view him as an asset because they could have gotten a first round pick earlier on in the process from whoever was offering such, and they chose to take a late first round pick in Chase Edmonds essentially in this deal. Obviously, they got a 2024 fourth, and they exchanged a 2025 fifth for it, but. That's not going to move the needle very much. I mean, this deal was a like don't don't read too much into it. This deal was basically 
the 2023 first for the 2023 San Francisco first for Bradley Chubb. And then Chase Edmonds was the throw in here. So I, I mean, they, the Broncos view Chase Edmonds as an asset and that tells me that they're going to use him. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, and even if Denver felt like the San Francisco first wasn't enough, they could have definitely have held just held on to Chubb and then traded him this offseason if they didn't want to pay him and, exactly. and keep him on the team. So that's actually a really good point, especially why like the thing with the trade deadline when you're moving and you're making like big first round trade uh, first round pick trades is you don't know where that first round pick's going to be yet. So what if San Francisco catches fire in the playoffs and now you're picking 32 and you just got rid of Bradley Chubb? Like you're going to be kicking yourself for that. So I, I mean, I agree. I think Chase Edmonds, that's a really good point about Chase Edmonds being viewed as an asset and that's why they went ahead and made the move now. Um, but from from a Chiefs fan, I mean, if Bradley Chubb's going to be out of division, I think that's great for us. I mean, one last pass rusher coming at Mahomes, I'll take it. But from just an overall NFL fan, I just I don't like the trade for Denver because I think you could have got more if they turn Chase Edmonds into their you know RB one and he kind of takes over that backfield. I may swing the other way and say it was you know an okay trade if he can help the offense kind of maybe get on tracks. But I don't know if Chase Edmonds is that kind of player, so. I want to move over to the Miami side because as a football fan, I just love when teams go in, load up for a championship run, and this is what the Miami team is doing right now. So um, if their defense can get healthy and scary, it just comes down to if Tua can perform uh, when it matters. So they they have talent everywhere. It's all about just health and if Tua can can be that playoff quarterback. But um, I think it's going to depend on where that first falls and what happens with Chase Edmonds. But just looking at the trade, I think Miami wins it pretty convincingly just day of trade initial reaction yeah i'm gonna push back a little bit on the return that the broncos got i i i don't really believe in trading bradley chubb from a conceptual standpoint but i think they got a pretty good haul for him um this is a guy that's been you know oft injured he's been not that good while he's played most of the time in his career this year specifically he is fourth in pass run uh, pass rush win rate so far in the nfl so he's, he has been one of the best edge rushers in the league to this point in this year but he has not been a great player thus far but again he was the fifth pick in the draft and he was the uh, second overall prospect in the draft when he was drafted. And um, I believe it was 2018. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, maybe 2019, but uh, he was, he was a very high draft pick, obviously. And he was, uh, you know, an athletic freak. So he could just be coming into his own. I think it's a high risk, high reward trade for Miami. If he ends up playing the way he has played so far this year, it's going to work out very well for them. But, you know, if he gets hurt two weeks from now and just kind of continues the trend he has uh, lived up to in Denver, it's 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 going to be a, a big loss for them. Uh, but, again, Miami has that luxury because they have their own first-round pick and San Francisco's first-round pick next year. And, yeah. and they can afford to trade. Well, and um, last one, one more thing. The last thing you said there kind of just rung, you know, 
rung a bell for me, but they or if Chubb were to get hurt in two weeks, either rest of season or just a, a lingering injury that affects his rest of year, and his value were to go down and they maybe couldn't have gotten a first for him, then they would have looked back kicking themselves, especially if they can't turn around the offense and make a playoff run. So you traded all those picks for Russ. If you want to recoup and you can get a first right now for this guy, I guess that does make sense when you look at it from that perspective. I just think he may be coming into his own, and we may look at this in a couple of years and think, wow, Denver could have got a little bit more or a lot more. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out. It's all, hindsight's always twenty twenty, But I just – initial reaction, I thought, man, I feel like Bradley Chubb's worth more. But coming from the Denver fan, it sounds like it was a good deal for both sides. So um, just kind of is what it is. I just see where the front office is coming from. If it was right. if it was me, I would have held on to him. But, again, I, I think from an NFL perspective, they got to – they got a pretty. They got good value for what his value is perceived at currently. That's fair. Um, our next trade, I hope we agree on a little bit more. Uh, this is one that I have some very uh, you know strong opinions on, and that is uh, the Pittsburgh Chicago trade. This is the Chase Claypool deal. Pittsburgh receives a 2023 second round pick. That is the Bears 2023 second round pick. Chicago receives Chase Claypool. I think uh, Pittsburgh did a great job here. They uh, they got two and a half years out of Claypool, and then they flipped him for the exact pick that they brought him in for. Um, I, I don't really know how you can possibly argue with that. They have Deontay Johnson under contract, and they just drafted George Pickens, and he's looked you know better than Claypool so far this year. So I I, I think from the Pittsburgh perspective, they did very well. And both of those guys are stock up right now just because they have one less, um, you know, legitimate target to contend with in the Pittsburgh offense to this point. Um, do you want to comment on the Pittsburgh side of things before I move on to my rant on Chicago? Yeah, let's, let, let me go ahead and hop in here for just a second. I just want to throw out there, um, and you kind of already hit on it, but Pickens, I think, has some extra value rest of season now. Uh, Claypool was kind of getting – a little bit of work here and there that I think we may see go Pickens' way rest of season. So he's coming off a week where he had a zero and he's on by this week. If you have an open roster roster spot where you can add a player or um, you know you have a, a questionable player on your roster now, go make sure he wasn't dropped. Um, he should be rostered in all leagues. So just, just double check. Um, he's not the highest end player right now with their quarterback situation, but – Coming down the stretch, you never know. Claypool being gone may open up Pickens in this offense, and he could be a a really good fantasy asset. But we'll just have to see how that plays out. Nick, I'm going to go ahead and let you have the floor. Let's hear about uh, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, before I before I get into that, I will just re-emphasize what Cody just said because I am just such a big fan of that. I mean, go get George Pickens. I mean, he could really really blow up in the second half here he has um some easier matchups to contend with in the uh, the second half of the year than he's had the past four or five weeks and again he could legitimately be the you know number one here and get eight to ten targets a week and be just an absolute fantasy stud for you so if he's on your waiver wire please go get george pickens now i will get to the chicago side of this um i want to start by saying that chicago their uh, their general thought of getting a you know a top tier wide receiver or just even any weapon for Justin Fields on the outside is the right idea. So you want your potential franchise QB to 
have some weapons to play with, and you want to figure out whether this potential franchise QB can be your guy or whether he won't be your guy. And you're not going to know that if you do not have weapons for him you know, to play with on the outside. Otherwise, um, you know, you're going to end up with a... Um, who's Derek Carr's brother? Is it... David Carr. There's David Carr. Thank you. There, there are plenty of examples throughout the history of the NFL of guys that never really got a chance to showcase who they were because they did not have the necessary weapons to do so. And I understand that. But um, this trade, from a Chicago perspective, makes less to no sense for me because I like... You know, Chase Claypool's a fine player. He might end up being a wide receiver one someday. He has the athletic traits. He's 6'5", he's 230 pounds, he's very fast, and, um, you know, occasionally he has hands to catch the ball. But um, a 2023 second, especially giving up your own 2023 second, as a 3-5 and team, you're essentially conceding a top 50 pick which is what Chase Claypool was, I, I believe me. He was, I think he was a 49th pick overall. So you're giving up two and a half, even maybe three free agent years off of a contract of a potential 2023 second-round pick that you could have taken instead of Chase Claypool. I, I just believe this is a massive overpay on the Chicago side. I, I really hope it works out for them. They can give a contract to Claypool, and him and Fields are, you know, like completely gel by the end of this year. But from my perspective, a 3-5 and five team has absolutely no, absolutely no business giving up their own second-round pick in a draft that's in six months for a wide receiver that's not going to help their team this year. I, I just I do not understand this trade from the Chicago side, especially after they gave up their best two defensive players in trades, um, you know, in the last two weeks before this. I, I, I would have been okay with them acquiring Chase Claypool in a vacuum, but for a second round pick, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous massive overpay for Chicago. How do you feel about it, Cody? Um, I'm looking this up, but Roquan Smith was traded for a second and a fifth round pick. So you are basically t- t- you. Uh, let me think of the way I'm thinking about this. You you sent a second, or you got a second for Roquan, sent a second for Claypool, and then you also added the extra fifth that you got in the Roquan trade. So would you have traded Chase Claypool for? Oh wait, hold on, I'm thinking about this. Oh yes, would you have traded Roquan Smith to the Steelers for Chase Claypool and a fifth round pick? Like, I, I just don't think I would have done that. Like, I don't think that deal would have made any sense whatsoever. So that's just what they basically did. Um, and they got the Ravens' second-round pick, which the Ravens are the better team there, and then sent their own second-round pick to the Steelers when they're the 3-5 and five team. That's just idiotic. Like, that like makes zero NFL sense whatsoever. I just don't – I don't know. I, I'm with you there. The, pl- the actual player himself, Chase Claypool – I mean, he's a big target guy. Justin Fields is pretty inaccurate most most on a lot of you know deep throws, so maybe just the big catch radius is what they're looking for. But whenever I look at the Roquan Smith deal cu- coupled with this and just how it all works out together, it's just it's a terrible, terrible trade for Chicago. Just the way they hand the way they managed it. If they sent the Ravens second, like I would have gave them a little bit more credit. But like your own second round pick, and you're probably not even close to a playoff team. Like, 
Oh, that's just I, I just don't get that. Like why like why would you have more value on the Raven second than your own? I don't know. Well, no, they don't. I mean, I'm sure that the uh, the Steelers were demanding their own second, but I mean, I, mean, I would have just they, held their feet to the fire then. Like I, I don't think Chase Claypool's I, worth a second round pick in a vacuum on its own. So I I, I, I agree, a hundred percent. And yeah. I have to believe that the Chicago front office was prioritizing Chase Claypool as an asset on his own, and they just believed that the Ravens' second-round pick was not going to get it done, which it absolutely should have. You should not even – they should not have even had to give up that second-round pick. They should have been able to give up a third and maybe a fifth to get Claypool. But, uh, yeah, no, I think we're both in agreement that it was a, a pretty big overpay on Chicago's side. Hopefully, him and uh, you know Justin Fields work out. I think it will help Fields for what it's worth. I think the rest of the year, you can you know value Fields slightly higher. He has a new weapon to work with. Uh, Darnell Mooney, I I don't think I hold him in any different regard. I, I just feel like I hope this passing offense opens it up a little bit, and that's probably going to help both of them rather than you know detract from Darnell Mooney necessarily. He was already kind of a borderline fle- borderline flex option to begin with. So um, this is yeah. another trade where I don't really know if that many fantasy options are affected. Um, you know, Chase Claypool again. Go ahead. So the only thing I do want to mention, and this is from um, another fantasy football podcast, but they did mention that the way that the Bears have been setting up is they've been putting Mooney a lot in the slot, and Mooney's exceeded when he's been moved outside. And apparently they think Claypool's going to come back into the slot, moving Mooney back outside. Maybe he has some big Who play knows? opportunity out there. You ne- Yeah, you have no idea whatsoever. But Who in a knows? vacuum, does Claypool make this offense good enough that I want, you know, the second or third, you know, option on I don't think. Like, it's not a big upgrade. And now for Moody, it just kind of downgrades him to, uh, I mean, if you have him, maybe see if this offense can, the passing game looks good with Claypool out there with him. But I don't know. If you need to pick someone else to, to play, I don't mind dropping Mooney now. Um, I don't know. I just – it's just another mouth to feed, and Justin Fields already has enough issues feeding the mouths that he has. So it's just rough for that that perspective. Yeah, I actually I, I like Justin Fields. Like we, we talked about on the yeah. um, the week eight review, we we like Justin Fields because there's a really really good schedule upcoming, and now you just give him another weapon to work with. Go ahead and be confident adding Justin Fields. I am actually. I am personally playing him over Tom Brady this week in our uh, our keeper league, and I think that's something you know you might be able to do moving forward because he's got Detroit, and then um, I I can't remember the next matchup he has, but it's another very good one. So just go ahead and put in a speculative ad on Justin Fields if you need a quarterback, and uh, if he keeps running the way that he does and has, again, these downfield options that work out for him. He could be a, uh, a very solid quarterback in the back half here. Yeah. I, right. uh, do you have I, anything I do, to add on this trade? Nope. So we're done with the trade, but I do want to point out since you brought up the waiver wire, or since you brought up Justin Fields, you did pick him up for, for $8, which I thought was a good addition on your part. But you also got Rondale Moore for $21. Yes, I did. And you outbid me at 15 And I woke up this morning – pissed because I thought I woke up and I was like I looked at my roster which 
has Darnell Mooney starting this week, if that gives you any indication. And I was like, I would have paid 25 for Rondale Moore. Why would I even risk it? Like, why did I put 15 just thinking I was going to save myself a couple, you know, 10, 10 fab dollars when I need a guy to go this week? Bonehead move by my part, but I, I got to give credit to you. I think $21 was a good amount to throw out there for Rondale Moore. Cody, I, I might piss you off more than making you feel better with this comment, but I originally had Roundale at an $11 bid, and then, uh, you know, I went back and looked at it, and I said, you know, I I really just, I don't want to risk this, and it's so late in the year, yep. and I feel like that, you know, at this point, I really just need to get the guys that I want, especially in a week where I'm 4-4 four and four and I need a win, that I, I'm going to just increase my bid. And I, I put it up to 21 because I did not want to lose out on them. So yep, thank I you for him. making me feel better about my situation. And uh, I, I'm glad you feel bad about yours because yep. that means I won. Yeah, nope. I did have him at $8, and I was like, I got to get it up a little bit. So I went up to 15 and I was like, 15 has got to be enough for Rondell. Like, I was looking, and I was like, ah, I just don't know if anyone needs him that bad. So if anyone needed him, it was definitely my roster. Um, so that that part just kind of killed me. I was like, I looked back, and I was like, yeah, I would have put 25 for him for sure. But um, and- If it makes you feel any better, I, uh, I bid $11 on Deion Jackson and not – another soul bid any dollars on him so i could have <laughs> literally bid zero dollars and gotten him well, and, now you know, now you just paid 32 dollars for rondale Moore. i feel good let's move on to the next trade <laughs> <laughs> that, should, that should be the way you look at it um this is the last and the first trade that came through from fantasy relevance but i think this is kind of the 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 trade that sort of quantified our uh, our original point on this podcast which was None of these deals really affected fantasy that much, and uh, we'll get to that at the end of this, but this is Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit receives a uh, 2023 second and a 2024 third, and Minnesota receives a 2023 fourth and a 2024 conditional fourth for uh, TJ Hawkinson from Detroit uh, going to Minnesota. I think Detroit could have done a lot better here. I mean, I saw some trade prediction, uh, you know, articles showing a first-round pick coming back to Detroit for Hawkinson. Uh, he was a top-10 pick in the draft when they took him. This uh, this was much, much less than that. You know, I know there was a lot of moving parts when, you know, I described all the parts in this deal. Just think of it like this. I think Detroit basically got the equivalent of a middle-to-late second-round pick in this deal i mean we're not going to know the values of all of these picks until they're you know played out but i think essentially right now what you're looking at is a middle of the late second round pick for tj hawkinson and that's just not enough i mean i i think if i was detroit personally i would have just held on to hawkinson and tried to re-sign him i'm not saying he's one of the best tight ends in the league but He's somebody worth, uh, you know. He's a he's a legitimate asset. He's probably one of the top ten, at least fantasy wise, tight ends in the league, and somebody that I think you could have built your offense around to a degree. So, how uh, Cody? I'm going to throw it to you and just see how you feel about this. Uh, go ahead and give your reaction on the Minnesota side as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start with the Detroit side because that's kind of where you had. Um initially I sure. started it and then I'll kind of wrap around with Minnesota so starting first with Detroit 
Um, I, I do have the same sentiment. I think they could have gotten more, and I think they kind of butchered this trade. I think it was the first one of the day. It really got the ball rolling, and if they would have made this maybe an hour and a half to two hours later, they would have gotten more for them. Um, so it, this is what, on the Detroit side, this is what I don't understand. You draft a guy within, you know, he was a top 10 NFL draft pick. And it was number eight. Yeah, yeah. He was he wasn't number ten. He was in the top ten somewhere. Number eight. I can't remember. because um, he was huh. him. Was it him and Noah Fant in that draft? They were like yeah, two tight ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, top ten draft pick, and now you're basically selling him at the end of his first his first contract, if I believe, for yep. a second over what should be because they're six and one now, so we're just gonna assume they're a playoff team right now. A later oh, second yeah. round pick. Um, and then I think the third and the fourth in 2023 are going to be a lot closer than people are, you know. Uh, it could be an end of the third, beginning of the fourth, and that's basically net neutral. So, I don't know. I, I don't get this side from Detroit. And then on top of that, you send them in division and you don't make them pay more. Like, if Minnesota just really wanted Hawkinson in this offense, I would have made them pay that first-round price tag for him, or at least tried to, so that because it's in division. So now you're going to have to see Hawkinson every year, twice a year, for as long as he's in Minnesota. So I just think that taking him in the top ten, trading him at the end of his at, his, at the end of his contract for what you got for him is just it's Detroit Lions football. It's really bad. And from a fantasy perspective, I will say that I think uh, you know Amon Ra St. Brown's value has been solidified here. I'm not sure it moves up a ton. I mean, I, I think he'll get maybe an extra target or two, but he's also going to have, you know, one less threat on the field that is not himself on the Detroit side. So it makes I me most excited for Jamison Williams to come back. I think he can right, come back exactly. and actually have an impact with Hawkinson there and, and uh, Swift slowly getting back to being somewhat healthy. I was worried that Williamson may just be a, a season-long IR hold for a guy who just is a little bit involved kind of getting his feet underneath him now with Hawkinson gone I think he just he kind of re-energizes that value that you thought he may have so um I think that's a good part of it for you and then Amon Ross St. Brown like he was already pretty high on a lot of people's um radar so I just don't think that you can go too much higher when you have Jared Goff throwing you the football in a pretty bad offense already so I don't want to get too high on Amon Ra because this offense is capable of just completely dudding on any given week so very well said, Cody. I completely agree with everything you said there, and uh, yeah, that's I completely echo that. And then from TJ Hawkinson's perspective on a personal level, um, I, I think he basically maintains the exact same value that he had already because he is moving to you know a better offense, but he is probably going to see a target or less, you know, target or two less a week. So it, it's sort of an offset as far as he might have slightly higher touchdown potential. But he has slightly higher, you know, slightly lesser target potential as well. So I, I, I think I still see him as that perennial tight end seven. Obviously, we're just sort of going to have to see how it works out in Minnesota. It could, you know, go one way or the other very aggressively. But at this point, I don't have any reason to believe his value will change extremely whatsoever how, how do you feel about it yeah i think for fantasy if you if you had hawkinson you were holding him or, you're, or he was your weekly tight end i think he just kind of maintains that position for you um i noted yeah i think he's still just that perennial tight end seven um like he may get a couple extra touchdowns um but 
like you said, his volume's probably not that his volume was ever like a, a never got really too high in, in Detroit, but it's kind of going to be unless he's playing Seattle. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to be more of the same for Hawkinson. Um, you know, you never know. He may they may use him differently than he was being used in Detroit. He may just get more looks. I just for right now his like if I was if he was a stock his stock did not move up or down. It just maintained. And for me, in, in my eyes, if you – he's – yeah. And that's just the way I see it. I just don't think that this trade did anything for fantasy for me. That is going to end our trade uh, reaction segment. I know there was a few that we did not get to, but uh, the ones that we did not get to were, you know, basically all defensive-related. And then the other one was the Kadarius-Tony trade that we already reacted to uh, last week. So if you want to see our thoughts on that, um, go ahead and listen to our Week 7 preview episode. But Oh, did you see CMC um, got traded to the 49ers? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. Wow, how do we not talk about that one? Nah. Wow, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and move on because <laughs> I feel like, you know, we've already just dropped the ball there. So we should just go ahead and, like, fully commit to to not, you know, not reacting that trade at this point. Um, this I feel like this Thursday night game is going to take absolutely no time at all. This is the uh, Philly and Houston game. That is Philly at Houston. Philadelphia is favored by 14 against Houston on the road. The over-under is 45-and-a-half. Um, I think my pick would be Philadelphia, minus 14, and under 45-and-a-half. I don't have a ton of confidence. I'd put it at 7-and-a-half. I don't know how you feel about this, Cody, but I, I just I don't see a world where Houston wins this game or comes especially close to doing so. And I could easily see a situation where, you know, Philadelphia – puts up 30 points, puts on cruise control and then wins this game 30 to 10. So, how would you uh how would you bet this game if you were, you know, put feet to the fire? Yeah, I think you have the the smart side of both lines here. Phil, I mean, it's hard to say minus 14 points is smart, but when you're just looking at I mean, how do I feel like the game's going to go if I was just how I think I would expect Philadelphia to win in a blowout. They're going to get, you said, get around 30, and Houston's going to have trouble scoring 10 to 14 points. So I'd agree with you. Minus 14, under 45 and a half. Now, if if this was a straight betting podcast, we would be getting roasted because the sharp money always is going to take, you know, 10 plus points just about every single time. So if you are betting it, I do just want to throw that out there. If you want to be with, like, the smart bettors, they're always going to take these big underdogs. But if from just everything we've seen, Philadelphia winning by 20, I don't think anybody would be surprised. So that's kind of – I think they have this line kind of correct. Like, it's – 14 is a lot, but I can see Philadelphia just absolutely mopping the floor with them. So, um, I, again, I, I like Philadelphia minus the points and under 45 and a half, but I don't want, if someone is listening to us right now, I don't want them to think that we're just complete square betters because our best bets have been killing it. Um, but I just wanted to point that out. Sorry. Good point, Cody. No, I was actually just about to say that uh, our best bets are 28, 18, and 1 on the year combined. So any best bettors that want to poo-poo our strategy can go ahead and look at that number and suck it. Because uh, if anybody were to bet on every single bet we made this year, they'd be much richer than they were before that fact. So, um, again, listen to our best bets pod. It has been 
extremely successful, especially since week one. But I digress. We'll get into that later in this week. Um, I have a couple best bets to get to before we uh, preview the actual game here. I will put a disclaimer real quick on this. I do not love my best bets this week. Um, reason being, um, the, the higher tier parlays basically all involve the Texans winning, which I just do not believe is any sort of possibility. So I did not include any of those. And I, you know, I wanted to include bets that I believe have a slight chance of winning. I think my second bet is my favorite one, but we'll uh, we'll get into that. So my first bet is an Eagles W. We have Texans first quarter and then over 45 and a half at plus 850. Basically, what you're hoping for here is that the Texans get the ball to start the game and then sustain a solid drive throughout the first quarter. Um, you know, we see this a lot of times in the NFL where you believe uh, one team is going to dominate a game and then another team gets the ball to begin it and is able to, you know, at least dominate the first quarter, maybe even the first half, just because they get the ball to begin it. So um, we're, we're just hoping the Texans win the toss, get the ball, and dominate the, uh, you know, the first portion of this game before end up the, before they end up losing. And... I think that's really the only variable you're hoping for here because, um, you know, if they do that and then the Eagles are forced to score points, then this 45.5 total is mincemeat for them. They, they will absolutely dice up this Texans defense. Yeah, um, I will not be uh, riding with this one, but I do appreciate your relentless effort to bring us a uh, close to a plus one thousand parlay just about every week. Um, I gotta try. Yes, I gotta I try. I think you Cody. laid out a possibility that could happen um, if you want to take a look at you know a parlay. I agree. I would not put a parlay out there with the Texans winning. If you are strongly, if you have enough conviction that you think the Texans are going to win, you're going to put it in a parlay. Just bet that straight up, and you're going to win enough money. So don't plus two thousand. Yeah, you don't have to include that in a parlay to make yourself feel better. Like that's enough. You're getting enough juice already. So, um, in my opinion, I just I it, it would have to be something to where the Texans just score first and Philadelphia looks shaky to start for them to win that first quarter. Possible. It's just the over forty five and a half. I'm going to be I'm I'm skeptical of those two lines, but you do get to include the Eagles W at plus eight at plus eight fifty. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see how the first quarter plays out because it, it's not a terrible bet at the odds, but it's just hard for me to believe the Texans are going to be holding a lead for much, you know, at any point in the game, let alone at the end of the, at the oh. end of any quarter or half. So, I, I, I so okay, go ahead, Cody. Let me let me let me let me uh, entice you with my last two bets here. I think I think I have some some better odds to look at here, especially my second, and so I have actually four bets here. Uh, disclosure, you get a lucky 2B bet here because I liked it so much, so we, we, we're just going to include that in the pod. We have a 2A, 2B. So 2A, we have Damian Pierce, under 88.5 total yards at minus 115. Your boy does not like ever including minus bets on this podcast, but... In this case, I believe it is such a good bet that I just had to put it in here. I went over all the yardage totals for every single player on both teams. Damian Pierce is the guy that I came back to. 
We're looking at 88 and a half total yards. He got uh, under 60 total yards against the Titans last week, and he's looking at a very much tougher matchup this week. 88 and a half total yards is going to be a tall task for Damian Pierce, and you're almost at even money uh, with 88 and a half total yards. So I would go ahead and take that under at minus 115 all day. How do you feel about it, Cody? Uh, I I do like that as well. I'm actually looking up his game log from last week so he has been getting a little bit more involved in the receiving work uh four receptions against vegas three against the tennessee titans but not for a bunch of yardage so just simply just dump down passes that aren't he's not making a lot of um let's see against i mean tennessee last week he had just over 50 on 18 opportunities uh so i'm not gonna spoil this close to eight and a half yeah, exactly. I'm not going to spoil this next one because I also like this next one, but I agree. Hammer under 88.5 total yards. I do think that Philadelphia is going to blow him out, so the run game is going to be a little bit taken out there. And even when he's utilized in the passing game, it's not for a massive volume. So I think Damian Pierce under 88.5 yards at minus 115 is a really, really good bet. So if you're uh, one of those people that likes to follow our best bets very religiously, and you want to go ahead and place your parlay on my first, uh, you know, first bet that I laid out. You might want to hedge a little bit of money on this two B bet because this is kind of a contrarian play to what we laid out there, as far as the Texans winning the first quarter. We have Damian Pierce under 15 and a half rushing attempts at exactly even money. That's plus 100. If you get 15 or under rushing attempts from Damian Pierce, you win this bet. And again, this is a bet on the Philadelphia Eagles running away with this game. Uh, if that's the case, you're not going to see a ton of rushing attempts from Damian Pearson. 16 rushing attempts from essentially any running back is quite a bit to expect. Obviously, Damian Pierce dominates the backload carry uh, from the Texans. But um, you know, if they're down 28-0 in the second quarter, rest assured they're not going to be running the running the football and if they are it very well might be with rex Burkhead. so i think at even money betting on damian pierce to be under 15 and a half rushing attempts is a very good bet to make against the philadelphia eagles who are a great rush defense and really just a great defense overall so if they're winning by multiple scores early in the second quarter this game, you know, could turn in just a uh, Davis Mills pass affair at that point. Yep. So Nick, I, I do like this one a lot as well. So I'm gonna I have a couple of Damian Pierce questions for you. So out of the seven uh, NFL weeks that he has played, because they have already had their bye, how many weeks has he had over 15 and a half rushing attempts? Do you know? That's a good question. I'm gonna go with. Um, you said seven, yep. right? I'm gonna say five. Only three. But really, but in two other games he has 15 attempts, and in another game he has 14. So he's always getting at least right around that number, and he has gotten over it a couple times. Um, but I, I do say that to say that if you look at what we believe this game script is going to be, he's going to be taken out of the pass or the the rush. The rushing game is just basically going to be 
uh, obsolete. I mean, he may get a couple attempts here or there just to, you know, get the offensive line moving forward, but they're going to be trying to throw this, throw the ball a lot. At least that's the way I see the game going. So I, I think for one, you're looking at four out of seven weeks he's played. He's gotten under this number, and you're getting it at even money, so that's a solid bet. And then you factor in the game script on top of it. I really like the under 15-and-a-half. Um, it sucks for me seeing I have Damian Pierce in a lot of leagues, but I would absolutely – contemplate even parlaying these two together and just doing a little two-legger um, on Damian Pierce just having a rough week. Philadelphia is just really good. So it's just that just is what it is, and that rush, their defensive line is unstoppable. So, Yeah, I, I totally agree with that point, and that's kind of why I uh, laid out both of these, uh, you know, lines for you guys to, uh, to take advantage of. And my last... Official best bet is Devontae Smith, 100-plus receiving yards at plus 600. Uh, he's only gotten to this line one time in seven weeks, so that is less than your plus 600 that you're betting on. But um, what you find a lot of times in the NFL is that um, you know the squeaky wheel ends up getting the grease. In this case, that would be Devonta Smith because... Last week, A.J. Brown went absolutely nuclear with 150-plus yards and three touchdowns. Devonta Smith had eight targets, had the volume, but I, I believe he only ended up with five catches for 23 yards. So um, this is just kind of the way things go. There's ebbs and flows in the NFL, and you know Houston's not a very tough defense. So I, I think there is a very good chance that uh, Devonta Smith ends up with a good game if um, you know Houston ends up bracketing AJ Brown because of what they saw last week and they would probably be very smart to do so to be honest. So if they end up putting Devonta Smith on some single coverage and he takes advantage of it, I think there's a good chance he gets over 100 yards and at plus 600 to like that line. Yeah, I think the uh, the game that he had over 100 yards was all coming off of one of A.J. Brown's other really big games this year. So, Correct. He, yeah, so exact, what may happen is Houston may look back at last week and go, let's just try and, try and take this guy out of the game and give ourselves a chance against Devontae Smith, and he may just run rampant at plus 600. That's I don't very mind good. it. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, of a, um, you know, a ballsy bet because you're kind of just – in a game script where Philadelphia should be running the ball a lot, um, at least the way we think, it is kind of ballsy in that perspective. But at plus 600, I, if I was going to bet, if you gave me these three, I'd bet number two, the Damian Pierce unders, and then Devontae Smith well before I would bet having the te- you know the first parlay that you gave me. So this one at plus 600 I think is actually a really good bet still. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to admit that you hated my first parlay, Cody. Um, you know, I, I am – I am open and willing to criticism, so it's it's I mean, no it's plus problem that. Though. So I mean, like it's 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 hard to hate something where if I put ten bucks on, I could you know walk out with eighty five, and then my betting account just looks a little bit better. Like I'm We're not trying to make the people rich, okay, Cody. So we have to shoot for the fences. We're not always giving the bets that you know you're going to love on their face. These are bets that. You know, you kind of have to give us some blind faith in. And again, um, we are, what did I say earlier? Uh, 28, 28, 18, and 1 on our best bets this year. So I think we probably know what we're talking about to some degree because that is a, honestly, from a, you know, a guy that has been betting on sports since he was an 18 year old dude. That is a really good percentage. I mean, 2018, 28, 18, and 1 is going to win you a lot of money. Yep. Um, so you should 
give us a shot at the very least. Um, from a fantasy perspective, individually, uh, we can do this really quick because this is an easy, easy game. On the Philadelphia side, we're going to start everybody. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, they're all in your lineup. Um, I, I see no reason to even consider benching them. Uh, Devonta Smith, again, is just, you know, he's, he's a guy that you are just starting based on who you have on your team. He's boomer bust, and the only reason he's a bust is because his team, you know, does not need him in the second half because the Eagles just blow everybody out by the time the, uh, the second half comes around. So yep. everybody else definitely in your lineup, Devonta Smith, Lineup consideration in the shallower leagues, but especially a, with the you know, buys, play. I think Devonte Smith is is in in most situations. You have to have a pretty loaded roster and avoid a lot of the buys this week to be looking at sitting Devonte Smith. Damian Pierce or Devonte Smith, Cody, uh, non PPR. Uh, non PPR. I think I still have to go Damian Pierce, and I think even in, even in half PPR. It's questionable. I think I'm still probably leaning to Happy PPR. I'm going to Damian Pierce. Yep. Full PPR is still like, I don't Devontae know. I'm still Smith. probably thinking Damian Pierce, but Devontae Smith is, that's when it starts to become a question. Just solely based on, I, I, Damian Pierce may not be very effective in this game script, and Philadelphia is already insanely good. So um, it's something to think about, but the volume is too good to go away from for you know a boom-bust option. kind of just depends on what your team's looking like this week, I guess. But even in full PPR, I'm probably still leaning Damian Pierce over Devontae Smith. Fair enough. I wouldn't argue with it that much. I would probably go Devonta Smith just because, again, of the uh, the upside of the uh, the catches and the upside of the yeah. you know, the guy on the really good team facing the really bad defense. But I think Damian Pierce's volume is very hard to turn away from. Uh, and on the Houston side, I think Damian Pierce again is the only guy we're can even considering starting. It's a nervous start. The Philadelphia defense is very good, and being 14-point underdogs is not something that we recommend for uh, you know starting running backs on our teams in fantasy. But he's somebody that is you know getting 15 to 20 touches a week, no matter what. And even if Philadelphia ends up blowing out Houston immediately, I think Pierce will still be involved. He'll get his catches, and uh, you know you just you just have to put him in his line, put him in your lineup because of his touchdown potential. We saw it last week against Tennessee. They uh, did not perform very well in the offensive end, and he ended up scoring a garbage time touchdown and being pretty good for fantasy at the end of the day with 55 or so yards and a score. So I, I just I can't imagine going away from Pierce, but everyone else we're avoiding. Brandon Cooks. Again, he's an option, but you're avoiding him if at all possible just because this Eagles secondary is very good. Yeah, Devontae Smith over Brandon Cooks 100 times out of 100 if that's oh, something that you're not even close. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there just, just in case. But, yeah, I think Brandon Cooks at this point is just – did I lose you, Nick? Can you hear me, Nick? Oh, the sound just cut out. Sorry, guys. We're right at the end of the pod anyway. Um, I was just going to say when it comes to Brandon Cooks, I, you have to kind of hold them on your roster now, hope things turn around, but it's not looking very good. Um, obviously, 
he may end up sitting out the rest of the season. It doesn't thing, look like things between him and the Texans are going to be, you know, all good. So um, I think I'm going to go ahead and just wrap this up because I think Nick may have just cut out here at the end. But um, if you stuck out for the full pod, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends, family, enemies, anybody who wants to listen and learn more about fantasy football. Um, but besides that, I'm going to go ahead and cut us out of here. Uh, shout out Houston Astros through a combined no hitter in the world series. So that just notification just came across my phone. All right. Peace out everybody. Have a good, uh, have a good week and hope you make some money on some Thursday night football.